This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Football Roundup here at Energy Sport with the Premier League, La Liga and the Bundesliga all returning this weekend plus the not-so-small matter of the League Cup round of 16 up here in Scotland. There's plenty of us to dissect from the last weekend in football. My name is Jack Donnelly and I've got three guys joining me today, two of which have been regulars on the show for the last year or so. First, he's just in the weirdest mood that I might have found him in in a long time. He's naming his favourite Armenian teams and he's professing his love for random Aberdeen players once again. Taylor Murray, how are you doing today, mate? I am doing fantastic. <laughs> fantastic, not just yes. fantastic, no. Just... I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm happy, I'm good and um, I am very looking forward to this discussion. You, are you putting your professional voice back on again? Yes. I feel like you I, I, yeah. I feel I let it down last time, so I'm putting it back on, and I will forget about it by half past two. So, yeah, that's in two minutes' time from the time of recording. So that's fair enough. Uh, we're also joined by a man who had his first fan experience back in what seems like, well, I don't exactly know how long it would have been. He'll be able to tell us, I'm sure. But Sean McGill's back for his first through of the new season. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thank you. I don't have the exact minutes, days, seconds, but I know it was uh, February 2020 was the last time I was at a game as a fan. Um, it was also in Edinburgh, just the other side of Edinburgh. Um, I enjoyed myself, despite the result. It was still good to, to be back at a game. And even though we've been lucky to go as, uh, as journalists over mm-hmm. the past few year or so, uh, it was good to be able to boo the referee and not get kicked out of the press box for it. So I'm I'm happy with that. Is that something you've done before? You've been kicked out of the press box for booing a referee? I... Don't actually want to disclose that at the moment. You're not going to incriminate yourself ongoing, at all. Yeah. It's an ongoing issue, so I'm right. just going to um, stay silent just now, thanks. <laughs> Probably a smart idea in the end. It's yep. a classic Mourinho, prefer not to speak. That is exactly the one. There you go. Uh, finally, we do have another debut, and I don't know if this says a lot more about me than it does anything else, but every Energy Sport debut that we've had this season has come on a podcast that I've not been on. And I, I don't know what that says about my reputation, my stature. Because you're a bully. You're a bully, Jack. This coming from you. You're calling me a bully. That's. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll take what I can get, I suppose. But uh, delighted to be able to welcome uh, Joe Bell to an Energy Sport podcast for the first time. Joe, good to have you, mate. How are you? Uh, good to be here. I'm I'm very good. Thank you. Yes. Uh, well, you know, actually, I lie. Uh, it's It's not been a good weekend for me, but. It's we'll not we'll because you. This this is a bit of information for any uh, energy sport fans listening. We actually have found a, a rarity in the footballing world, something that we didn't actually know existed up until mm. the last half an hour or so. Joe's a Man City fan. Well, in the flesh and blood, mate. In the <laughs> in flesh, the flesh and blood. blood. Uh, in the flesh and blood. Over a over an online recording session, of course. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm sure I'm sure we'll have plenty to say on it. Uh, Manchester City's weekend once we get to our Premier League discussion a bit later on but as always I missed this last week so I'm just going to reuse the question that I had in mind for this week's big question now we're, we're starting to kind of get back to normality in football and we're starting to all kind of get back to capacity crowds and being able to attend games as a fan 
So what I wanted to know last week, and I'll ask it to this week's team as well, instead of last week's because I forgot, uh, what has been the extra that you've missed most about going to a football match as a fan? And that can be... And I don't I don't mean anything from like hearing the roar of it. It could be a hearing the roar of a crowd, getting a pie at half time, pre match pints, booing a ref, as Sean said, just any small menial thing about attending a football match as a supporter that you've missed the most while you've been away. Uh Joe, I'll come to you first. This can this can be leaned in the marker for your, your first appearance. Well, no worries. Um I think for well the last football game I went to would be two thousand nineteen, uh took the trip down to the, the Etihad and I watched Man City take on Chelsea. Good game, good mm. game. Um, I think, obviously, I was a lot younger back then, so the points, I haven't actually had that experience just yet. I'm only I'm, I'm only 19. Uh, but I think, for me, it was just the atmosphere. I think, say what you want about the Etihad, but the amount of fans they can fill in that stadium and the amount of noise it makes, it's crazy. And I've been to... Smaller games, uh, my local team, Selkirk, obviously, where there's about 50 of us, um, half of them are, you know, drunk out of their mind. But um, <laughs> we, uh, the noise the crowd makes, it's just, you just can't help but get hyped up and want to support your team as much as possible. No, absolutely. It's definitely something that we saw, especially down in England over the last weekend, just how much the crowds yeah. can impact a game. Uh, Taylor, how about yourself? What have you missed most from being away as a fan? The absolute sheer confidence that fans have, no matter who you're playing. Um, <laughs> the best example I can think of this was uh, when Rangers were playing Real Madrid. Right at the start, <laughs> I think it was like five minutes into the game, there was somebody uh, shouted, get into this mob, they're fucking shite. <laughs> 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 and you, you, now you're playing a powerhouse of Real Madrid Although underwhelmed, but under strength, it was just amazing. Like, you could actually be playing, you know, a team of like a super 11, and you'll have a fan of any club be like that. I just get into them, they're fucking shit, you've got this. <laughs> and that is what I've missed, you know. Just, you know, the sheer arrogance, the sheer belief that you will win, and I think that's what makes football, football amazing. Just the absolute brass neck of a, of a football fan just declaring that. That team's going to get pumped, even though they might be several divisions above them. Perhaps that's yes. I can, I can get behind it. I, just some good shithousery to to kick things off. Uh, Sean, how about yourself? Was there something that uh, you'd really missed when you went to the game on Sunday, or was it just uh, par for the course as usual for you? And you kind of wished that you'd done something a bit different, perhaps. Or <laughs> uh, no, I definitely enjoyed being back at the game. Um, I it was. Good to just be around fans again. Like obviously, when we've been covering games in empty stadiums, you can hear the the, the players and all that. But there's all the all the singing and all that sort of stuff. And wind up, the Hibs support wasn't very good at all yesterday. I was surprised. There was capacity at twelve thousand yesterday, and the uh, total attendance was five thousand and something. Kelly uh, pretty much sold out their allocation, so it was just a really poor turnout from Hibs fans. I don't know what it's a Sunday game. I don't know if that put a factor in it. So it was all that. What a shitey home support and all mm. that sort of stuff. And then eventually, when they scored their first goal, it was the first time you heard noise out of the Hibs fans the entire game. And it was just like, away, oh, hey, you're actually making yeah. some noise again. Just all that sort of stuff. Uh, just shouting abuse at the linesman when for putting his flag up. But not me personally, I would never do that. I'm, I'm too, far too well behaved. Um, <laughs> but all that sort of stuff. Do you know what else is good? You know, when at like half time or full time, there's a really busy. Um, 
toilet area and you've got to pick your space to you've got to guess which space is going to be the next one available to go behind that one to get in it's a good game i think because you want to be you know that you need to get in and out there pretty quickly so you've got to pick your spot wait for the person before you to go and then dive in there so i always like to keep on my toes jack so i think that that was a uh, the probably the highlight of my day actually was getting to the urinal the, the urinal um, and picking my spot so what you're saying is the thing that you've missed most from being away from a football match as a fan is a busy toilet at half time Absolutely, yeah, but right. that's what I go for. I okay. hate the football actually. <laughs> Just go for the last. Can't beat a busy toilet. <laughs> you can't beat a busy toilet, is what I always say. That's my motto. Different situations and different locations, I suppose. What a busy toilet could mean, but uh... <laughs> oh well, I'm not even getting into that, right? But no, the, <laughs> the, the group of boys next to me were moving me and my dad out the way a suspicious amount. Like they kept, they were going to the pie stand quite a few times yesterday. That's all I'm saying. And they didn't look like they, they ate a lot of pies, did they? And they didn't they bring they didn't they bring any pies back, but they were going to the pies <laughs> <side> quite a lot. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I, for for me, it's just like the, the full day build up because I feel like even though like I've been able to get to down to Somerset as a reporter, and it's been great, and I've been really, really grateful and really thankful for the opportunity. To be honest, it's just the whole day's build up. You think you wake up maybe nine ten o'clock. You're thinking right today today's the day. We're going to the game leave the house fairly sharpish, go and meet your mates, go and sit in the pub, get a bite to eat a few pints and then head to the game fairly jolly. As a new fan, it's probably not going to be as jolly when by the time we're leaving, but uh, then it's just that kind of reaction. Everyone's of the same opinion. It's almost just hearing agreement and just that visceral reaction when something doesn't go doesn't go your team's way and it's just that kind of unity that kind of comes with uh, a full crowd and people around you it's like you're saying Sean just being back amongst fans it's just absolutely fantastic and then you either go and have a drink to celebrate or have a drink to forget what just happened so it's just a just a, a, good, a good day out is what I've missed most about football as a fan and hopefully I, I would have had it this this weekend had I, had I not been isolated I would have been at the Dundee United match in the cup but uh, sadly missed out but hopefully I'll rectify that as soon as, as soon as humanly possible and you just had to cry in your bedroom instead of crying as you left the ground, so that's that's a wee bit disappointing. I always cry in my bedroom, Sean. I, I'm I'm very I'm, I put I put on a mask when I'm out in public. It's it's when I'm when I'm alone in my room that that's where the the tears fall every every couple of hours. That language is degree. <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> that's that shocking from you. <laughs> Right, let's move on before my PTSD kicks in from doing a year of languages and living alone in Benfield. Uh, the League Cup kicked on, kicked on over the Vamos! <laughs> We're not doing Spain yet, calm down. Oh, lo siento. It's okay, de nada, mate. Uh, yeah, League Cup, League Cup uh, knockouts first round, uh, round 16 over the weekend. We're going to start at Ibrox, a Friday night kickoff on the telly and Premier Sports. Uh, Rangers just kind of slapped and fell on about for 90 minutes, to be honest. Uh, 5-0 result. Lundstrom, Wright, Hadji and two from Kmart Roof. Uh, sealed a five-star performance from the league champions. Taylor, this is, is this exactly what Rangers were needing kind of after three consecutive losses, especially with a big Europa League qualifier to come against? Armini- from Armini- Armenian side, Alish Kert FC. That's who they're playing this Thursday. So uh, after that run, was this exactly the kind of result the Rangers were needing? Yeah, definitely. It was a result that was expected as well because the players have been underperforming at the start of this season. Uh, it's not been the Rangers that we've knew over the last year, and it was you know a, a team. It was like sorry, it was a game that when they were coming in, they were expected to, you know 
use this to get your confidence back and build on it on from it on Thursday. And they couldn't have done it in a more impressive fashion, if you ask me. Yeah, just the sheer ten- intensity, the sheer you know pressing that they had from the word go was amazing. And I think we've just seen throughout the game exactly how important a player Hadji is and he, how he was missed uh, on the Wednesday prior. So I'm very pleased exactly what they've done and I hope the fact they don't regress and they just push on for here and this is the start of the Rangers season. Uh, you, you would absolutely like to think so, especially kind of how stuttering it's kind of been. I mean, I, I remember I was kind of criticised a little bit for saying that Rangers didn't look at the races in a, in a 3-0 home loss to... A home win, sorry, over Livingston, my mistake. And uh, then they proceeded to lose three in a row. So I don't really know if that... Uh, Opinion was justified or not, uh, Joe? When you kind of look at it on paper, this was it, it was still a Rangers team out of form, but they were undefeated league champions last year, coming up against a Dunfermline side managed by Peter Grant, who didn't exactly haven't exactly had the yeah. best start to the season already. I mean, even with all the Rangers kind of shortcomings so far, could you have seen this as anything but a Rangers win? Uh, it was when you look on paper and anything to be honest, the Rangers dominance was clear coming into this. Um, as Taylor said, the Rangers uh, weren't on the best of runs, but to come in and do what they did, I think what it's done is it's given the fans a glimpse of what um, they can be. And although it was, you know, obviously against a very smaller Dunfermline side, I think Rangers were able to just capitalise, take their chances, and just showed everyone really who's boss of, of the league right now. Sean, just touching on uh, Peter Grant at film, it's been a pretty poor start for the former Alawa boss. And he was quite critical of his side following this defeat, expressing just how poor they were, and that he hopes that they're suffering, but they need to learn from it. I mean, do we think that they will learn from this? Do we think that they could really start pushing on the championship? I mean, I'd tip them to win it, and I know a lot of people have done the same, or potentially had them at least in second place behind Kilmarnock, so they've not really shown themselves capable of doing that so far, but do you think that this could be the spark that ignites a fire underneath them for the rest of the season? Um, I'm not sure what this game means, but I do expect them to get better at some point, because it has been a really sorry disappointing uh, start for Dunfermline, obviously that 2-0 draw at Morton on the opening day, and then getting thumped 3-0 by Partick Thistle, who we expect to kind of be around them, that if, if Pars are going to do something this season, they're going to have to beat teams like Partick, and they were embarrassed at home by them, so mm. I think it's definitely concerning. And uh, uh, when you go to Ibrox, the main aim is just to settle yourself into the game. And what was it, the fourth minute that Rangers had scored the first goal? So uh, it was a nightmare start for them. And um, question marks were already surrounding Peter Grant at his appointment at East End Park, and they're only going to intensify if they don't pick up that form pretty soon. Uh, on Rangers, I think a shout out has to go to Calvin Bassey because mm. I think. Uh, that was one of the positions where um, you'd th- maybe question Rangers' strength and depth when Bonabarasic is missing. Mm-hmm. How much did they get from Calvin Bassey? Because he's undeniably a great athlete. I think he's defensively pretty solid, but the big thing that uh, sort of drawback from Bassey's game was his end ball. I think mm-hmm. it, his delivery into the box was nowhere near as good as Barisic's, but his two assists on a. Uh, on Friday night were absolutely fantastic, especially the the one for Hadji's goal. It just whips it right round to the back post, straight onto Hadji's head. So uh, credit to him. It's clearly something he's been working on. I'm sure uh, Stephen Gerrard's been able to help with that. And if it's something that he can keep going, then perhaps you don't need to worry too much about uh, Barisic's absence when those do occur. 
It's actually fed me nicely into my next point because I wanted to come to Taylor because he said at some point on Friday night that he would see us at full time. He's just awaited Meyer Calvin Bassey for 90 minutes. Uh, Taylor, it's not exactly been the brightest of starts this season for either of Rangers uh, starting fullbacks in Borna Barisic and captain James Tavernier. But uh, Nathan Patterson, of course, he was playing in Tavernier's absence on Friday night and Bassey, as we've mentioned, was excellent down the left. So do you think this could kind of stand as a bit of a kind of your marker for Stephen Gerrard to perhaps have faith in the young guys and potentially play them a bit more forthcoming because we had a couple of takes in our, in our group chat saying that Patterson is at least on a level with Tavernier and I know he's one of your favourite players, uh, your captain, so I don't know what your take is on that, but do you see them getting a bit more game time and are they deserving of it? Um, I feel uh, coming into this season, you know, I was like, <clears throat> the team that finished last season, they're, they're the ones, you know, You've got to catch, you've got to match them to get in the team. And it has to be said that both fullbacks, uh, since we're talking about them, have done that. Uh, Barisic, I don't think, has done near enough to warrant you know, some of the starts. Uh, he did have an injury played uh, Euros, and it kind of it looks like it's hampered him a little bit. And he doesn't look like he's up to speed. So I was really surprised um, in the Champions League uh, qualifier how he was played, because I thought, you know, Bassey in pre season, he had started pretty well, he looked good, he looked like you know, he had improved if he coming into Rangers in the first season, and I was like yeah, he's always got to go with the boy in confidence because he even played against Livingston and he was dead solid, so um, when Barisic was picked, I was like, of course he's got to just go with experience, and we all know what uh, Barisic's end ball is like, as it is tremendous however, I am now at a stage where I feel like Barisic doesn't now warrant a start, Barisic now needs to fight his, for his place off of Bassey and that isn't only just going against Dunfermline, because Dunfermline just highlights exactly what Bassey can do. It's just throughout pre-season, you know, in the minutes, he's shown that he can get up and down that line easily. His defending is, um, I think, is quite good, you know, better than what Barisic uh, was at the start of his career, but obviously Barisic has improved. And I hope if uh, Bassey can improve like Barisic has, then we've got a great um, left-back on our hands there. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, um, Tavnier hasn't had the greatest starts, and... I'm a great admirer of, you know, Patterson. I feel like the boys burst onto the scene. And, uh, you know, during COVID, when he, you know, redeemed himself with that goal uh, <laughs> <laughs> in 16 seconds, he's just improved for there and there. And arguably, he could be you know, the great thing to come out of Rangers Academy since Alan Hutton. And I, I could even say the same with him. Like, I wouldn't be, you know, annoyed if Patterson starts on Thursday over Tavernier. Mm. I'll... I'll I think Tavenier's a great player. I love Tavenier a bit. You know, he's a captain that's always, you know, he doesn't do a lot of shouting, but, he, you know, he puts that in through his performances and you can see why, you know, he's the captain, mm-hmm. why Gerard trusts him. But that being said, you can't compromise the team with just picking a player just because he's your captain. And if, you know, he's out of form and a player is better in form, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, parts and filling in there. I don't think the occasion would scare him because he's proved in, even with Scotland that he can do it. He's proved in, you know, when all his own fans hated him for what he'd done, nearly jeopardising the club. He, you know, he redeemed himself. He put, he released all that pressure. So I think Gerard is looking at this and thinking, I can trust these players, these players, I can trust. Mm-hmm. And if I can use them to push the, you know, the quote-unquote first-teamers on, then it's only going to improve Rangers further. And, I mean, it's a good couple of opportunities for them coming up. I mean, you've got Alex Kerr, the two legs, 
and the next two Thursdays, but you've also got a trip up to Dingwall next uh, next Sunday to face Ross County, and that's a pretty favourable fixture considering that Ross County not putting a coat of paint on it are shite. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, do you think Gerard might look to utilise one or both in the league for that game, or do you think he'll try and reserve them for the uh, European ties? Uh, I can definitely see Bassey playing on Thursday, or um, more than Patterson. Mm. Uh, I feel like Barisic is just, you know, showing the fitness that he has, and Bassey has obviously proved himself on Friday there. So, Bassey, I've got, it feels like, and more of a chance to start on Thursday. Against Ross County, it all depends, you know, if Tavnir, how he plays on uh, Thursday as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Gerard has got to change it too much, like, between the games, although he will you tweak it here and there. Yep. He is a manager who likes to have consistency. And we have seen in the past, you know, in his first season, he always tinkered that about. And then it's like second season, he started to get more of a you know, solid defence. And he does, I think he does realise that some players, although they're going through a bad form, they don't handle getting wet, uh, too well getting took out of the team. They play, they're more of a player that can play through it and then that's how they'll develop. As I feel like one of the players last season, uh, no last season, the season before was Kent. Mm. He was always in a bad kind of form, you know. Oh, and then towards the end, when he was playing through a bad form, he got better and better. So he might see Tavnier as one of the players. I always thought Tavnier has been really consistent. Um, you know, through his full tenure at Rangers, he's defending his always let him down, but his attacking has been great. So it would be weird for me, Tavnier, to be dropped, but I could see him, you know, swapping the fullbacks for one game, one of the fullbacks for one game, and doing the vice versa for the other. Well, we'll move on from Rangers now and head to the other side of Glasgow because Celtic. Uh, also got a win in their uh, round 16 clash against Hearts at Parkhead goals from Edward Welsh and Kyogo Furuhashi his 5th in 5 appearances uh, rounded out a dominant display for Celtic although the scoreline suggests it was a bit closer than it ended up being uh, Joe this was kind of a bit of early season revenge for uh, Ange Postacoglu's yep. Celtic of course Hearts getting that win on the opening day of the Premiership season at Tynecastle with that late winner from John Souter. This this has really been a team that's just improved since that night. So was that was this a result that you saw coming or was it ex- were you expecting Hearts to put up a bit more of a fight in this game? I mean, going into the game, uh, as you say, we did see Hearts come away with a win against Celtic earlier uh, in the calendar. But I think Celtic, they went away, they re- recuperated... They worked on what they needed to work on as a team uh, going forward and defending as well, um, which Hearts obviously really took advantage of again in in the prior fixture. Mm. But I think the excitement of obviously uh, Kyogo for whatever his name is uh, <laughs> is driven the team a lot. The fans are the fans are behind him, the managers behind him, and the team. Uh, Yesterday just looked really well gelled. They looked like they trained for this. They looked like they worked hard. And it will obviously I think they will be disappointed to concede um a couple of goals here. But you can't fault the performance. They were very well oiled, trained, looking for redemption, I think. I think they were out for blood and I think they got it. Uh Sean Joe touched on it there. I mean Robin Nielsen came away from the game saying that he was really pleased with his side second half performance and that he said he can take positives away. And I know that stats never tell a full story of a match, but Celtic came away with 72% possession and had 36 shots on goal at full time. What positives necessarily can Nielsen take away from such a 
dominant <laughs> dominant performance from the home side. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, obviously, I was at Easter Road for the first half of this game and caught some of it on the radio and uh, watched the highlights afterwards. And uh, by the looks of it, it was a bit of a demolition from mm. Celtic for the majority of the game. And 3-2 definitely does flatter hearts, as you said. But uh, I think the performance of Josh and Ellie when he came off the bench made a big difference to hearts. Obviously, he had a great game against Celtic in uh, yeah, that yeah. empty stadium cup final back in 2020. So I think that... Um, he's going to be a big player for Hearts as long as he can stay fit. That is the big question. That is the big question around his signing uh, back at Tynecastle. Was it worth it? But I really do hope he can because on his day he's a fantastic player. He was key in that uh, the penalty award that ended with Carl Starfelt, which I don't really know what he was playing at there, just completely swiped Liam Boyce. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, Liam Boyce came on and um, so did Come on, Janelle came on and uh, that helped Boyce a lot and his attacking player obviously got the penalty. Aaron McInef, another substitute. So his substitutes did, did all right yesterday, Robbie Nielsen. Um, and scoring two goals at Parkhead is, is still a pretty decent return, uh, although Celtic's defence is still shaky. So mm-hmm. uh, I heard Robbie Nielsen speak on the radio and he says he, he, he really wants to make it uh, the trips to Glasgow for Hearts he really wants to compete he doesn't just want to be there he doesn't want to get thrashed he wants to uh, put on a, a proper fight and even though in terms of possession and shots like you said they did get a bit of a thrashing the result's not too bad at all they'll be disappointed to be out the cup but uh, they've got a un- 100% record in the league and they'll defend that against Aberdeen who have also won both their games so far uh, on Sunday I believe so uh, that'll be a, a bigger priority now to Robin Nielsen No absolutely I'm looking forward to seeing how that game pans out of the weekend but uh, Taylor, just before we move on from this one, uh, you were saying while this game was playing out that you were beginning to be annoyed by Kyogo Furuhashi after he put in another Man of the Match display. What What's exactly making you frustrated by uh, the new man from Japan? When I look at him, I see a player that uh, he knows when to make a run and um, he's quick. And I think one of the chances that nearly fell to him during this game was it was a free kick just in the edge of the box and I hit the wall but then Turnbull scuffed the shot and it bounced in a six yard box just in front of Craig Gordon and right before he went to catch it, uh, Kyogo Fiorashi came running in and literally got touched it and to put it by the post and he looks like his playing style looks almost, um, you know, he's quick thinking, he's really, you know, on the ball and he's always want to get in about that box. And no matter who you are, when you look at that, you, you just you take notice and you think, this could be a player. Now, this could just be early hype, you know, a player that's just playing in a good purple patch for his new team. Mm-hmm. Or this could be the signs of uh, a, a player that could, you know, be good for them. I'm hoping as, you know, the, the latter one, because I do not think I can handle uh, <laughs> a really good, you know, player for Celtic. It's, uh, so, so you're more annoyed at the fact that he's doing well. Like you're, you're just annoyed that he's seemingly a good player rather than anything yeah, else. Actually, yeah, I'm just. I think it's more a. Um, I'm just annoyed. The fact is, he looks like he could be a player. He could be a, a player that could cause you know Rangers a lot of problems. Now, um, I think it was Jamie that said when during this game that, uh, Celtic. Uh, have not really been tested by a team that really want to attack them. I think it was Jamie or uh, Graham that said uh, that Celtic do seem to crumble, and we did see the fact the second half a little bit where Hearts did finally you know want it to go. Um, they did you know crumble at the back, not the best defensively. However, you know, is it Ange Postecoglou got to take the attack of 
uh, Jurgen Klopp in the early days where we'll just outscore them. <laughs> and if that is the case, then Old Firms will be uh, very, very entertaining. So how are you feeling ahead of the first one? I suppose just, I mean, it's a while, a while off yet, another couple of weeks, but I mean, early signs, What what's just a, a, sh- a short kind of expectation from you kind of heading into that one? I feel Taylor answers that, Jax. Sorry, can I jump in and just a wee bit on Furuhashi? Because, yeah, of course you can. Uh, Taylor's right to to pinpoint that free kick because his movement for that is unbelievable. Like he just he, he thinks it's going to come short the bounce, so he starts running forward and then realizes that there's a chance that this could go in behind. So he quickly turns. His, his speed's amazing. His movement's amazing, mm. and, he, he, and Taylor's absolutely spot on to pinpoint that because that's one of the moments in that game. Despite the fact he scored a goal, which I actually think was defended pretty poorly by John Suter, and then I think Craig Gordon should do better. Um, I think that that pinpoints just what an exciting player uh, Furuhashi is, uh, and it also seems to have made Odson Edwards step up his game because we know that mm. for the last uh, year or so Edwards been criticised for not really looking on the ball and I think that's probably because he's not had much competition with Lee Griffiths being uh, so out of shape and so out of favour with Neil Lennon and then John Kennedy as well so I think that the fact that Furuhashi's come in and made an instant impact has made Edwards sit up and go I need to start performing because I think that's Edwards' best performance of the season yesterday as well from what I saw so uh, it's, it will be scary for Rangers if you've got uh, Furuhashi who's come in and made an instant impact on that team and then you've got Edward close mm-hmm. to back where he was if they're both playing together on that side if he can see out the window then uh, that's a very very scary prospect for Rangers I completely agree with you mate I mean he, he, even away from his kind of movement it's just uh, it was his pass over to Forrest ahead of the first goal was just absolutely fantastic just that looping ball ahead of, in front of the defence it was brilliant but uh, I'm really excited to see kind of how he kicks on in Glasgow for the rest of the season but is that a worrying prospect for you, Taylor, having a Furuhashi and an on-form and up-for-it Odson Edward coming into uh, an old-form match at the end of the month? Obviously, you can't <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, when you look at that, you don't want your rivals having you know the best players you know coming into form when it's coming to you know, a game against you. However, as I was going to say, it's that I feel confident that Gerard understands the magnitude of old firms mm-hmm. he knows exactly what they take and um it was a podcast i was listening to yeah, last week was when it comes to european nights and old firms gerard goes into this always a like focus where he he only um uh, says what he wants everybody to know and uh he only he doesn't you know try to play games or that he just tells you the basics there and then and I feel like that is exactly what you need on the, these important nights. So, although that I'm a little bit worried about these players, you know, coming on to form, you know, right as this first game, I do think Celtic also need to be worried about Rangers players performing because they were seen in, in the end of last year. The players like Hadji, players like Roof, and even Morelos, when they, when uh, they're on form, they are untouchable too. So, although it's been said how good these players are. Celtic need to be worried about exactly how their rocky defence has got to cope with players such as Hadji, Roof and Morelos and that who's now, you know, look like they could be getting back to their form, especially, you know, in the Champions League playoff. Morelos was incredible. Like, although we lost that game and I, I'm still livid, Morelos was amazing. So I think Celtic also need to be more concerned about how their defence is uh, going to deal with them because I feel like that is the worrying thing. Like Celtic should have more to worry about Rangers' attack than Rangers need to worry about Celtic's attack, if you understand me. 
No, I do. Yeah, no, I get you, I get you. But uh, yeah, I suppose uh, there's two sides to every coin. There's two opinions to take from either side, of course. Uh, you're going to be back in your boys and the Celtic fans are going to be back in theirs. So need to see how that one plays out at the end of the month. But still got a couple of points to mention from this uh, knockout stage Uh session over the weekend uh, Sean talk, talk to me about sun, Sunday's game of course you were at Easter Road for Kilmarnock's 2-0 loss to Hibernian uh, because the, the support was up for it while the Hibs fans potentially weren't and they only really made a noise when they scored as you said so <sighs> how, how was it for you I mean was it a, f- a fairly routine uh, Hibs victory or were Kilmarnock a bit more in it um, so in the first half, Hibs definitely had more of the ball, but it was Kilmarnock who had the better of the chances. There was a long ball over the top from Ewan Murray that fell, broke right through to the feet of Scott Robinson, and it was a, a big save from Matt Macy to deny him one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of one of those ones where if it was at more of an angle, you think it would be better for Robinson because he either slot it under or sort of pick his corner, but it was quite central, so it made it uh, a lot more difficult for him. And Macy was quick off his line uh, to give credit to him. And then uh, Kelly also struck the bar in what would have been one of the best goals I've ever seen a score. And the ball just dropped from about 25 yards out and Liam Polworth went, I'm having this, and uh, smashed it towards goal. And it, was, I just, like, it was just rising. I was like, that's just going to go in the top corner. And then obviously it smashed off the bar, on the underside of the bar actually. And mm-hmm. uh, having seen it afterwards, it seems sort of inconclusive whether it was over the line or not. The Hibs TV commentary, uh, it was the clip where I saw it from, and they kind of thought that it might have been over the line. Um, which obviously is a bit disappointing if it was, but it's just one of those things. It, it was pretty close either way. And then it, Kelly just started really slow in the second half, just looked a bit all over the place, couldn't keep that same intensity up. And I think Jack Ross had kind of uh, put a rocket up the backside to that Hibs team because they looked a lot better uh, coming out of that second half. Uh, I thought Kevin Nisbet's had a pretty poor start to the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hibs fans have been a bit frustrated. He's not. I think he's a great technical player. His touch is usually very good as passing. That's let him down so far this season. I remember a lot of sort of uh, misplaced touches in that uh, season opener at Fir Park. But I think he looked uh, back to his best in that second half. He got an assist for Kyle McGuinness and then scored himself. And uh, he got uh, the Hibs man of the match. So that'll be a positive to take. Uh, for Jack Royce, R- Ross, sorry, and uh, Highbees because, um, yeah, if Kevin Nisbet, especially with Christian Deutsch now mm. until December, uh, gonna, it's going to be a lot of burden on Nisbet if they can't get another striker in before the window closes. So it's one of those ones where you say it was probably a fair result, but it could have gone another way if right. uh, Kelly had taken yeah. their chances in the first half. So uh, Kelly weren't massively outplayed, but I think a Hibs win was pretty fair. Fair enough. Uh, Joe, Sean touched on it there, of course, the kind of biggest news coming into this one was that Christian Dodge, uh, the Welsh striker, is going to be sidelined until uh, much later this year. It's going to come at a pretty poor time for him because he was really starting the season well and he was apparently yeah. in line for a Wales call-up. That's what Struan was saying uh, to us anyway earlier this week. So re- really unfortunate for the striker, but is this now the prime opportunity for Nisbet to really kind of come into his own and start the season now that Dodge is going to be unavailable for the next few months. Absolutely, when you've got a when you've got a team like Hibs who um, Dodge has been Dodge has leading the line for, leading the line for sorry, um, it's it can be hard for say a um, younger or not as good striker to get into the team. But now uh, I don't want to say it, but now that he's injured. Nisbet can really take this opportunity with both hands, and if he does it right, it can come off really well for him. Uh, he could land a first place 
uh, land a first place spot on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't, I think Deutsch will just come straight back into that team and maybe stick with the consistency, as we mentioned about Steven Gerrard. Um, just, but if Nisbet can t- uh, take this opportunity on and score goals and perform well in leading that line, it's a big responsibility. But mm-hmm. if he can, some if he can manage to use the team behind him and score goals and get the results that Hibs need, I think Deutsch could be uh, looking at an uncertain future at Easter Road. Quite possibly. Now we'll move on. Just a final game we'll touch on before we look at the draw. Uh, Taylor, our broth two at St Johnson two at Gayfield. Seemed to come from behind twice, of course, to eventually win against the Championship side uh, on penalties. Ali McCann proving decisive once again with the winning spot kick. Uh, not exactly the best of situations for uh, St John's to be in. Of course, they heavily rotated following their midweek tie against Galatasaray at McDermott Park. But uh, Cam Davidson had said he really could have done without extra time, especially with the European Conference League uh, playoff first leg coming this Thursday against LESK. So it was it was a real show of resilience from that hev- from that rotated side that they were able to come back and come back twice and then eventually win on penalties. So is that kind of a factor as to why this kind of Saints team has been not only so kind of successful in the last season or so, but why they've been kind of so well revered is their tenacity and their resilience. No, yeah, that Cam Davidson implemented uh, the things you've just mentioned, and it is like it's been a feature of their performances throughout the full season. But you've got to give credit. I feel there was one player, or there is a few players, but there was one player who really makes that full team tick, and it is Ali McCann. Mm-hmm. He is uh, just a sensational player, uh, especially against you know a powerhouse like or a you know a powerhouse in terms of you know Europe like Galatasaray. Ali McCann was still running that midfield that even it consisted of, you know, Tehran and, you know, players of that nature. So uh, having a young uh, having a young player or so uh, having a young like Northern Irish player within your team, you know performing well at that stage mm-hmm. is just gotta look good for your club and it shows everything, you know, that St Johnston have, you know, done under Cam Davidson and although yes, they could have done without extra time as, you know, Cam Davidson did say, um I don't think that will hamper them too much. I feel you know they've got such a squad unity there. Uh, uh, they've got just brought in Glenn Middleton you know, from Rangers. Yep. Um, having you know the players like, at the back like uh, Kerr, um, McCart, and see like Rooney, all the players uh, they'll just look forward to the next game. They'll just be glad that they got through this round and uh, they'll definitely bounce back against um, Dundee United with a win. I think at the weekend. Uh, just the opposition on. Uh... Was it Saturday or Sunday? I can't quite remember. It was Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Sunday. Uh, it was our both yeah, Sean. Yeah. And uh, you're obviously going to get a bit more familiar with them as the season goes on. And, oh, come on, I have to play them in the championship. I've been very familiar with them recently. Of course, I was there for the yeah. two-all draw at Somerset Park with AR. It, it's, it's a really kind of positive result for them to take. I mean, they're not going to be happy to be knocked out the cup on penalties, but they really made the Premiership side work in this match. Granted, a heavily rotated side, but... It's it's really kind of a testament to what they're kind of setting up. Dick Campbell really does know how to put a team together and work as a unit, especially considering their part time status. So they probably could be could take a lot of positives from this result. Yeah, I think they can. And when you talk about St Johnson's rotation, it wasn't like it, it was a massive 
decrease in quality really I mean the front three is Callum Hendry, Stevie May and Glenn Middleton and that's still mm. very much a premiership front three I mean I think Chris Kane's a great player but you're not losing that much quality with that sort of front three and then Sean Rooney just played as a centre back instead of a right, uh, a right wing back it was James Brown who came in there and then uh, the keeper changed as well uh, Sandra Clark's obviously a, a good goalie but uh, Elliot Parrish is, isn't a, a massive downgrade I don't think so I, I still think it's a very strong Saints team and uh, definitely credit for Marlborough you just get a feeling that they would pull off something like that because mm. they do have that sort of mentality. They, Despite being the only part-time team in the Championship, they can still make it difficult for any team on their day. And massive credit goes to them. And it's the performances like this that make you think that despite the fact that they have the smallest budget and despite the fact they're only training twice a week while everyone else is in there every day, uh, that they could stay up in the Championship this season. I, I still expect them to, to be above that playoff spot just because of that unity that Dick Campbell's instilled in that side. And because of your hatred towards A United, that's that's the other yeah, reason. Yeah, they're definitely going down. And, well, Morton are making us look like dafties, man. They need to stop this. Because, I, I'm not yeah. happy with Morton like, at all. Nah, like, they're making us look stupid. Behave, we, all, we all said they're going to get relegated and they've, they're unbeaten. Like, stop it. Yeah, no, that's... Gus McPherson, stop it. <laughs> Come back to <laughs> uh, another Another championship side that got dumped out on penalties uh, at the weekend was A United. Uh, it was the only Scottish people I actually saw... Uh, live was <sighs> my my, <laughs> my friends FaceTime me from uh, Somerset Road, uh, Somerset Park. Somerset Road, <laughs> Somerset Road End. It was a Somerset Road End. Ah, there we go. There you go. And, That's uh, the best dad, is it? Yeah. I'm joking. I don't know. I don't, I've never been there. I've got better things to do. <laughs> you really should be. It's a good. It's a good time. Uh, sometimes it's, you, you'd probably enjoy it because we probably lose. So I mean, no, no reason not to. Tuesday the 26th of October I think is the next Isher Derby I don't know Tuesday night Tuesday night already but uh, I know by, by all accounts and from everything that I'm led to believe we played very very well in this game of course took the lead through uh, Tommy Adeloye scoring again uh, kind of walked through the D-Night defence and kind of poked it past Segrist who really kept the Arabs in it just a monster performance from the stopper a very, very contentious penalty and an even more contentious red card for Jack Baird kind of turned the tide of the game towards the latter stages. United equalised uh, through Nicky Clark. And was it... Then, what was it, sir? Was it Jack Baird who gave away the penalty in the Isher Derby as well? The, the referee gave away that penalty. To <laughs> <laughs> so that's two shockers from Jack Baird. He needs to sort his disciplinary, disciplinary issues, clearly. It's the third penalty that we've actually given away in as many domestic matches this season. Shocking. Uh, three games, three penalties given away. Just grow up. Grow up, referees. Stop bullying us. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of made it a much easier game for the United to get back into because it kind of looked to be heading for an United victory up until that penalty, which would have been would have been good fun. Would it would have been good? I would have liked to have gotten through potentially got a decent away day, but uh, uh, that'll be what it'll be. And then penalties weren't great. Seagrass made two saves from uh, who was it? Paddy Redding and uh, Jonathan Afalabi. So oh well. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why you're trying try to be sarcastic. You get knocked out as well. Aye, but funny. <laughs> Fair enough, aye. Uh, that leaves us with just eight teams left in the competition, and the draw is as follows Celtic play at home to Wraith Rovers, who got a pretty decent Shock. win against. <laughs> you called it out already against uh, Aberdeen 2 1 with Daru Zanata scoring the winner. Where was he for a United last season? Uh, Rangers drew Livingston at home, then United. <laughs> 
the Hibernian and Dundee have holders St Johnston. Uh, who, who, what, what, what's our thoughts on the draw? Are we, are we excited by any ties in particular? Or is it just Sean's going to feel a bit contentious about some of these ties already? Celtic and Rangers get home draws against the two worst teams left in the, in the draw. Uh, oh, Colour me shot. <laughs> <laughs> just happens all the time I mean it's, it's happened too many times now come on eh? at least try and change it up to make us not suspect anything but they're just That's blatantly going, nah. Celtic at home to Wraith and Rangers at home to Levy uh, I'm looking forward to the other two games uh, Tayside Derby uh, always has a decent atmosphere at it and then uh, Dundee United but Hibs should be pretty entertaining as well mm-hmm. Dundee United look better than I expected them to be so far this season really so yeah. uh, of course got that great win against Rangers so and yeah, Hibs uh, will need to start hitting their stride a little bit more than they did against Kilmarnock yesterday, but um, I expect, with no European football now, that Jack Ross can get his teeth stuck into that team, and uh, I think that's my that would be my tie around, unlike Chris Sutton, who said it was Celtic Wraith. I don't see how, in the name of God, he's picked Celtic Wraith as a tie around. Like, that's just... It's Chris Sutton, so... Yeah, no, they, that, that's a very, <laughs> very fair point. Good away day for Wraith, I suppose. They could go and have a, have a jolly at Putter. Up at Celtic Park. That's a shame because if they got a little bit of an easier draw, they could be got to hand. Oh, aye. If they can be bothered to let away fans in and not have to put it on general sale. Shame. Uh, Joe, how about you? How are Mm. you seeing the draw? Any any ties catching your eye from from this set? Uh, I mean, as Sean said, I think the Celtic and Rangers draws are just happen too often, to be honest. But uh, we move on. We move on. Oh, Uh, Tyson, what is well, Joe? So he's such a dar. Dundee Hibs will prove to be a good match, I think. Um, There's nothing to catch. I think they're all just going to be good games. I think if 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 Rangers and Celtic do lose. then we'll, have a, then we'll have a trophy on our hands. Then we'll have a trophy on our hands because uh, you know. And I, but I, I do, I do want St Johnston to do well. I do want them to keep the trophy. I think this year, controversial, but the I do. The dominance of Scottish well. football, most successful yeah. team yeah, in the country last year. Absolutely, yes, come on. no doubt about it. Taylor, do I even need to ask but, your thoughts? You're going to be you're waxing lyrical about uh, Rangers Levy for the, for the the rest of the weeks until the game actually comes around. Well, I definitely am. Um, Dundee St Johnston, that's my tie around. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I was expecting a lot more pushback on that. To be honest, that's no, I'm, I'm kind of surprised yeah, by of, you today, of, mate. Of course, I'm going to sit down and watch Rangers absolute scud Livingston for the second time in about <laughs> six weeks. But yeah, yeah well, yeah, we'll see. Expected, you know. Apparently, the supercomputers against everybody else are on the old firm. So yeah. It's gonna be great. The supercomputer. You know. If there's a super, if there is a supercomputer involved in Scottish football, I'd love to see that. To be honest, whether it is super or not, but uh, that's kind of everything from Scotland. We are gonna have a quick discussion about the goings on in the Premier League as it returned uh, this weekend. I know Sean's not gonna be massively happy with that, considering he's not. I'm not trying so... to maintain my positive attitude towards the Premier League. You, you okay? were getting I a little more positive it. towards it, weren't you? Like to, as you guys made me. The, if people still want to listen to the fantastic Premier League preview podcast on Energy Sport, I recommend you check it out. It'll be available wherever you get your podcasts. Because I am not the biggest fan of English football, but uh, Jack, Graham and Struan got me 
more interested than I expected to be about the Premier League. So yeah. <laughs> if any game was going to get you a bit more interested, Sean, it must have been that opening tie on the Friday night. Brentford at home to Arsenal, their first uh, top flight game in English football for 74 years, if I'm correct. Uh, and their first ever appearance in the Premier League, the 50th team to make their Premier League appearance. And a famous, famous night in Brentford. And all the post-match scenes, just hearing the crowd before and after the game, Thomas Frank going around and uh, hugging kids. <laughs> the touchline makes it sound a lot stranger than it actually was. It was very, very wholesome. And <laughs> That was you, yeah. That's, yeah. It, it was lovely, Jack. It was. It was indeed. I mean... I, I don't know. Coming into this one, I, I thought Brentford could have potentially done something, but I didn't expect yeah. them to completely outplay Arsenal. Yeah, I thought Brentford were really, really good from the bits I, I saw of this game. And uh, it doesn't really surprise me, to be honest. When you look Friday night, under the lights, newly promoted team, a team that plays that sort of attacking football, you know that they're always going to be dangerous. It wasn't a massive surprise to me that Arsenal... Uh, looked bad. I mean, Cam Chambers at right back was not calling himself in glory for that third goal, uh, sorry, the first goal. And uh, it didn't look, uh, when you see that the team sheet, you're already going to be worried about that, aren't you? Mm. And uh, yeah, the um, the defending for the second is just amazing, or the lack of defending for the second is just amazing. Yeah, Leno's probably getting filled by Pontus Janssen. Good. Pontus Janssen seems like an absolute <laughs> legend, to be fair. I like um, Pontus so, yeah, just always that the whole thing about what was that Leeds game where yeah, I was gonna he say was that, raging that they yeah. had to walk through against Villa. He was absolutely. He seems mental, but I like. Do you him. remember the, the, and, uh, the, the, like a post match interview on the pitch with his opposing <laughs> captain, he and swore. he was absolutely fuming. Yeah, <laughs> he was swearing, yeah. and then you can't swear. And you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> like, that's my type of guy. Him in the back line with Christopher Iyer is going to be a great watch because he's gone from mm. rugby park to the Premier League as as so few players do. Although Dan, Dan Backman as well got a win. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly getting represented massively in the Premier League uh, this weekend. <laughs> That's all you're looking at um, at this point. <laughs> Yeah, just the former Kelly, the two former Kelly players in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, that's so my two favorite teams are Brentford and Watford. Yeah, and uh, aye, good one for the bees. Good one for the bees. I mean, Joe Sean said it there. I mean, this Arsenal side were just not up to it at all. I mean, oh. Cam Chambers was guff in a word, and uh, it was yeah. they just couldn't get away from that high press that Tony and Buemo were employing up front, and they were really, really showing Arsenal up. Uh, completely. I think what happened to Arsenal was they just succumbed to Brentford football is the best way to describe it. Uh, that high press, relentless, um, always looking for the ball, always back on your feet. Um, I think Arsenal fans will point it to the fact that they were playing Balogun or whatever his name is up front. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Nobukayo Saka just returned from the Euros, um, subbed on, but... Uh, I think Arsenal fans will point it to the fact they were missing the Aubameyangs, the Lacazettes, those type of players. But I want to point it to the defence. You've spent £87 million in two seasons on defenders who haven't even warranted that amount of money. £50 million for Ben White. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yes, Come Joe. Yes, <laughs> Come on. That's excellent, Joe. I love that. He's from Brighton. Come on now. But, you know, what are you going to do? Mikel Arteta, he's learned from the best. Both uh, Pep Roller and Mikel Arteta lost the first game, opening games. Um, I think it's more to come for Arsenal fans. I think, uh, to quote Arsenal FTV, it's it's time to go! <laughs> already? Wow! We love that. He's making <laughs> debut appearance and he's making big shouts already. This is what we have. This is what we need more of on Energy Sport. I completely agree, and, uh, So it's just on <laughs> Arsenal's defending, I think the... Uh, 
Yeah, the Arsenal's defender, I think, uh, have to give a massive shout out to Jamie Carragher's commentary on Sky Sports. <laughs> Jamie Carragher was having the best time of his life. I love it. Oh, it honestly was. It's just that's the most Arsenal defending I've ever. I'm not going to do this guy's accent, but it's just, that's the most Arsenal defending I've ever seen. Like, just sums them up soft and all that sort of, It was amazing. He was just properly. He was having a great time. He loved fans being back. And uh, I, I think he's right, to be fair. He, mm. he actually made a. When he calmed down a bit, he was talking after the match uh, to Kelly Cates and talking about the fact that. Ben White is a good player. I think Ben White's a good player, but in that Brighton back three, he had the the giants of uh, Adam Webster and Lewis Dunk beside yeah. him, and sometimes Dan Byrne as well. Um, and that would help him a lot because he could be the one who steps out more and d- does all the stuff that uh, the passing uh, that would break the lines for Brighton. And Gary Neville said all top six defenders can pass now. Like, that's not a thing yeah, anymore. You no, don't have to say yeah, he's he good does. on the ball. They're all good on the ball. Um, and yeah. so Ben White needs to be. More than that, it needs to make a difference defensively for Arsenal, the way that Virgil van Dijk did for Liverpool, the way that Ruben Diaz did last season for Manchester City. And does Ben White have the defensive capabilities to do that for Arsenal? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, it just speaks volumes that Ben White's gone to Arsenal for fifty million. Brighton have taken back Shane Duffy, and he put in an absolute shift in their win over Burnley. That's just it. the one thing it does do is encourage me as as Chelsea are set to take on Arsenal this coming weekend because we're going to have Lukaku back in our front line and if Ivan Tony is running Ben White ragged it, it could get quite messy for the Arsenal defender uh, Joe you said it that uh, Arteta's emulating Guardiola and losing his first game of the season because Manchester yeah. City lost 1-0 to the team that Guardiola had previously called the Harry Kane team when they didn't even have Harry Kane in the squad <laughs> it was just uh, a fairly uh, poor go- fairly poor showing from City on the day wasn't it it was. It, the problem was, okay, here we, it starts last year. You're going to get me started now, but it starts <laughs> last year. Manchester City signed fucking Nathan Ake from a relegated Bournemouth for 40 million. Oh, anyway, we move on. 265 days later, Nathan Ake starts for Manchester City alongside Benjamin Mendy, whose buddy may as well just move to a hospital, and uh, Ruben Diaz, who played well, plays well, usually, and uh, Jacques Cancelo, who doesn't even know what position he plays. Um, but Nathan Ake and Benjamin Mendy, we've seen it time and time again. We saw it in the Carabao Cup, uh, sorry, the Community Shield, apologies. Um, teams will just target that left-hand side of Manchester City because they're weak. They're weaker. When you've got John Stones and Ruben Diaz, two arguably ball-playing defenders who just push out with the defensive line, the, um, your Zinchenko will get in front of him and look for that uh, cross-in. It just doesn't work. Benjamin Mendy, Jamie Carragher uh, said it himself, Benjamin Mendy can't defend. He, he can't. He's an attacking fullback who can't defend. Mm. He, um, but I think the problem was, as soon as Tottenham scored that goal, and it was a good goal, great goal, Ruben Diaz usually would have went out to meet an attacker in that position, and I don't know why he held back. He would maybe try to square him up, whatever. But it was a great goal from Son. Um, it was fully coming. Manchester City didn't get out of the blocks in the second half, but as soon as that goal was scored, Manchester City played as if they were 2-0 up. They were walking the ball. They were not looking for anything exciting. And again, credit to Tottenham. Jack Grealish and Raheem Sterling were both like in Jaffa Tanganga's back pocket. They, he had a hell of a game. And uh, I think that was just the issue. Tottenham never really got Manchester City's, allowed Manchester City's creative side to flow. And a player that's going to be at the crux of that creative side for much of this coming season is Jack Grealish-Taylor. And the yeah. 100 million man, he got his first chance to walk out in front of 
uh, a crowd at in a Man City shirt in London, uh, and he, he he looked fairly good. I mean, he, he got on the ball a fair bit, and of course he kind of got his typical start of being the most fouled player in the match. I think fouled five times overall, but just wasn't really able to get himself going. I mean, do do you kind of credit that to him playing kind of more of a deeper role in the number eight, or I mean, what? Why why do you think Grealish was kind of more ineffectual than some were perhaps expecting him to be in this game? No, I'm not any Guardiola, but Guardiola said that he had an incredible debut and it was an incredible performance for him. This is the usual, you know, Guardiola antics, you know. They struggle and they say that it was the best performance that he's ever seen, blah, blah, blah. But Jack Grealish, he, yeah, he, he looked fairly comfortable, I'm going to say, in that team. He didn't look out of place. He didn't look like... Not to disrespect Aston Villa, but he didn't look like an Aston Villa midfielder in a Man City team. Like, that's just won the Premier League. He generally looked like he'd been there for a while. Uh, however, it was just... It was weird seeing him not playing Rays in that, you know, recognised number 10. It's him just basically being um, more that bog standard, like, number 8. It was very weird, you know, him just, you know, sitting in the middle, you know, getting forward as much, or, you know, drifting just on out the left mid, not the left wing like he usually did. And it was... It was very weird to witness, and although he's still got, as you said, uh, his usual, you know, most filled, I think that's one of his attributes. He's, he's that hard to get the ball off of. Um, most players will fill him. It's just, I think it's going to take a while for Man City, or for him to adapt to Man City's play style, or vice versa, because it just didn't seem like, um, I would say strikers, but, you know, their only striker was on the bench, so <laughs> didn't look like their forward players mm. were want to make the runs that Grealish is usually like Gustav Watkins making all that so it's got to be a learning process for him and for the team I can definitely see him you know being a mainstay in that midfield I say that you know as we all know Guardiola likes to irritate but my gist is he'll be a very you know important player for that midfield and him and De Bruyne together could be a dangerous combo if you know they actually decide to sign a striker I mean, the, I mean, the what the one man quoted wasn't even there at all. Harry Kane and well, will he have second thoughts about leaving Tottenham after that? This way, I doubt it. But uh, a bit of an interesting uh, narrative to have. Uh, another couple of big results coming from the Premier League. One of the games of the weekend for me, West Ham Newcastle, and I'd never thought I'd actually ever be able to say that that 100%. was one of the most entertaining games of the opening weekend. One thing I'll say from the get-go before that, I mean, West Ham won 4-2, but Newcastle went ahead twice. It was sitting 2-1 after Jacob Murphy scored just before half-time. Newcastle looked fun. And I I don't don't necessarily mean good, I don't necessarily mean bad, but open with some exciting attacking players that that Newcastle might not be as dour a watch as I predicted them to be at. I mean, Joe, I thought Alan St. Maximin was having absolute lives in this game. He just looked absolutely electric. He's for me, one of the most entertaining players to watch in the league. And having him fit from the start and clearly looking to get involved as much as possible is only going to help Steve Bruce's side. Well, we saw glimpses of it last season. Alan St. Maximin coming in from Lille not long ago. Um, he's a player... Defenders don't really want to play against him. I'll put it that way. He, It was, it was so funny to watch him. He, he was cutting in, out, in, out, in, out. He had defenders breaking their ankles yesterday. And, um, well, there can be some positives to that. We also did see the negatives. Uh, if he just got absolutely sliced, that was him. He'd left a gap in the team. He'd pushed that far forward that um, <clears throat> uh, 
they were able to capitalise and take advantage of the open Newcastle. West Ham were put in a solid performance. Um, I think that most players on that pitch will have had a good game. Uh, I think Mikel Antonio equaling the all-time West Ham Premier League goal-scoring mm-hmm. record will be that'll be pleasing for him. I think he's finally getting recognised. He's just he's such a physical player, and most defences can't keep up with him. He's a clinical finisher. Um, but just going back to Newcastle, Callum Wilson announced at Maximum that partnership will be deadly, and I'm really looking forward to watching them take on some of the best in the Premier League. I mean, he absolutely ruined Declan Rice ahead of that first goal, just turned him yeah. about five different times before sending the cross in for Wilson to head home. And then Antonio, I think, uh, equaling that record by Decanio, I think his comment was not bad for a right-back when, uh, when he was asked yeah. about it post-match, because, of course, that's where he did start uh, during his time at West Ham. Uh, Taylor, talk to me about uh, Manchester United 5, Leeds United 1. I mean... I expected a good game between these two sides. A lot of people loved watching Leeds last year and United are a team that are looking to really push up to the top of the league as much as they possibly can. But I didn't necessarily expect this much of a, of an entertaining uh, match. Paul Pogba, absolutely unplayable. Four assists, I think becoming one of a finite number of players to register four assists in a match. I think he's only about the seventh or eighth player to do so. Just really, really made that United midfield tick, didn't he? One hundred percent. His performance, along with Man United's performance, was as devastating as it was to see a half and half scarf with Man United Leeds. <laughs> it was honestly that was horrible. Unreal. Yeah, it was unreal. It was like incredible to see, and he was just he was just feeling himself in that midfield. He was just you know having fun, and when Popper's in that kind of form, that's exactly what you get. And although um, you know. There's been talk of him moving, blah, blah, blah. He didn't perform like that. He performed like he was enjoying himself and he wanted to be a part of that. And when you have uh, Pogba and uh, Bruno Fernandes both in that kind of rhythm, then <coughs> that's the devastating uh, consequences you get. And it was very entertaining to watch. And it wasn't like Leeds were properly poor. Leeds were still trying to do their usual attack. It's just Man United unlocked that defence. And I don't think it's any uh, slight to say that Leeds can't defend because we all know what Bielsa's built there. It's just sometimes you just sit back and go, aye, fair enough, you know, better team won, and that's exactly what Man United done. And if that's the Man United we're going to get all season, then we're going to have an exciting Premier League, a happy string Garvey, and it's going to be fun. Sean, the one glaring kind of point for me in this game was. It was, it was a really, really overrun midfield. I mean, United really did win that midfield battle and I think that is thanks in no small part to the absence of Calvin Phillips, of course, coming back off of a successful uh, outing with him. Uh, well, successful for him personally, but not Almost successful. <laughs> he, 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 he was able to kind of... Wait, I've just realised something. Sorry. What's that? Uh, apologies. Joe, does that mean you're yeah. an England fan? Uh, is that a yes to the question? Not, or... Uh, or? Who, so for the Euros games, for the Euros games, were you, what was your sort of routine, like were you scheduling in Scotland games, like I need to go watch this with my pal no, or whatever, I, or was it more like I was watching, watching Scotland England games with my pal, but I was just kind of staying quiet, I was just, uh, you know, do you stay quiet during England games as well? Scotland. Yeah, of, of course, I'm not, I'm not an idiot, mm. uh, <laughs> right, good. but uh, 
I was, uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the last time he's going to be on here. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Man sorry, City just, and England will be as good as me. It's going to be a there. long season for Joe. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted to laugh at England, he and did. it's going to be a long season for Virgil. Um, so, what was your actual question? Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to ask, just like, how, like whether whether Leeds can play as effectively as we saw them do a lot of last season without Calvin Phillips, because his absence was really glaring in that midfield for Leeds on Saturday at lunchtime when the midfield was just completely overrun by McTominay, Fred, Pogba, and Fernandez. No, they can't. <laughs> I think because Calvin Phillips is, is so important to that team. Uh, the way that he drops into the back line, the way he can stride out, the way that he breaks up play, the way that he, he plays those forward passes as well. I think that um, if there was probably one cog of that Leeds team that you say is irreplaceable, it probably would be Calvin Phillips, actually. I think yep. he's, he's so, so central to what they do. So um, they'll be hoping to get him back to fitness as quickly as possible. I still like, Leeds will be fine. Leeds will be top half, I'm pretty sure. I think that they yeah, sort of could be the best of the rest this season if they can keep doing that and it happened last season didn't it like you said the Man United beat them comfortably at Old Trafford last season it's just the kind of all or nothing style yeah. uh, is never going to change his approach to games and that means that a, a team that is probably the best counter-attacking team in the league at the moment uh, at Manchester United that's going to happen to them they're going to get cut, cut apart sometimes um, great goal from Luke Aylin, his first yeah, Premier League goal uh, he deserved that a really good strike and it would have had those Leeds fans believing for a while but um, yeah Man United were, were too good on the day and um, I'm sure Bielsa will be trying to get Calvin Phillips back as soon as possible No absolutely he'll be, he'll be praying that Phillips is able to be at full fitness as soon as he possibly can uh, just rounding out Chelsea got a good home win against Crystal Palace watch that one good moment for uh, another youth academy graduate coming through and getting his first Premier League goal in Trevor Chalaba what kind of week for him his first senior appearance for Chelsea in the Super Cup winning that in Dublin and then getting his first goal and his first start Belfast it was a Belfast oh, well. <laughs> don't get those two mixed up Jack no, it, was, it, was absolute, it was absolutely oh. Belfast <laughs> dearie me um, I'll just I'll save you and jump in and say that uh, Trevor Shalaba's uh, celebration for that goal was one of my favourite moments of the Premier League weekend because well, yes, he, yeah, yeah. he went he went to wheel away in celebration and then realised that he physically couldn't because he was so overcome with emotion and oh, just dropped to his knees and started crying, which I thought was a, a great moment. Shows how much it means, shows uh, the sort of efforts that footballers put in that we sometimes don't appreciate and the fact that he got his first goal with an absolute belter as well into mm. the bottom corner, uh, sw- swept across a goal. I think uh, it was a beautiful moment, yeah. So um, credit to him. I hope that he can make an impact on this Chelsea side. He is 11 days older than me. That is what I found out. Uh, and, and, and you're sitting here talking about one of podcasts. Um, it's, it really, really makes me wonder where, where I went wrong in my life. It really does. But languages anyway. degree. <laughs> <laughs> you're having a wait at this point today, aren't you? Oh, for God's sake! You set me up there. <laughs> I did. No, I did. That was an alley oop. To be fair. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, round it up, and you go. Yeah, no. The only round point, up the football. <laughs> only point about that's that's the point of the podcast, Sean. <laughs> Uh, only point I want to say about Chelsea that could potentially target their uh, move their targets away from a centre back in the transfer market and potentially look at another midfielder. Uh, Golo Kanté was out for this game. I thought Jorginho had another good game. One of one of Sean's new favourite players. My king, <laughs> Your Italian with his, king, with his with his Gaza hair. What a man! <laughs> what a big shit out. We love him for it. Uh, I mean, without uh, Kanté there, it really is just uh, Jorginho and Kovacic. I don't really know what impact Ruben Loftus Cheek is going to be making this season, but I could see 
potentially if Chalaba does stick around and Tuchel does decide to keep him and use him in tandem with uh, James and Aspilicueta as a right centre back, uh, shit, a shift could be focused into a midfielder rather than another defender, which is probably the area of concern most uh, prominent for Chelsea at the moment, especially after Marcus Alonso looked very, very good, which I didn't thought didn't think I'd be saying after the first day of the season. Uh, last couple of points before we wrap up. Uh, the top leagues in Spain, France and Germany all returned over the weekend. Sean, do you want to talk? Let's let's talk about La Liga because that is, you you like La Liga. There was a fight like in the, the Atletico Liga. game, wasn't there? Oh, Luis Suarez at a shithouse of the best. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> it was a, a, a sweeping counter-attack from Atletico Madrid. Suarez is chopped down. Uh, the referee rightly plays advantage. Um, I think it's Crea who's through a goal. I can't quite remember. Um, and uh, saved. Uh, play goes on. But So, when Suarez realises that the counter-attack is still moving, he gets back up on his feet and starts charging towards goal. Then when the shot's saved and it breaks down, he goes back to the ground to start rolling <laughs> around again, which incenses uh, the Celta Vigo players. And just <laughs> this massive fight breaks out and uh, I can't even remember who got sent off for Celta Vigo and Hermoso uh, um, also got sent off uh, for Atletico Madrid during this brawl <laughs> while Lewis one has just sunk away to the background after causing this massive fight. Um, he's just the best man. Uh, we didn't start this game actually, Suarez, and it was uh, goals from Angel Correa either side of a Hugo Aspas penalty that got Atletico the win um, it, was a not, it was one of those sort of classic Atletico performances where uh, they just sort of hung on at moments and they had to be resilient they by no means dominated this game uh, but like they did for so much of last season they dug out the result got their three points and they'll be running back to Madrid with those um, Barcelona as well I watched on Saturday night mm-hmm. who started the, the era without Messi pretty well, to be fair. There was chance of Messi on the 10th minute, which was quite a nice moment. Um, and then in the 10th minute of the second half, uh, there was some chance of Messi, which then got sort of whistled by the majority of Camp Now, which I'm saying that way because Sofia Vieira Navarro shouted at me um, if I don't say it properly. Um, and then... Uh, there was chance of Barca. So almost like the majority of the Barca fans saying... Right, we'll give Messi the respect that he deserves, but we need to also support mm. uh, this Barcelona team who are playing for us now, who are playing very, very well uh, up to that point. Uh, New City Memphis Depay looked fantastic. Um, he's kind of just got that charisma about him that you think he could. Uh, nobody's going to replace Messi, of course, but he has this sort of personality yeah. and the, the flair that uh, could, if he keeps performing as he did against Real Sociedad on. Uh, Sunday night then it'll make the messy departure that little bit easier they almost did the Barca thing of last season and built built up a big lead and then chucked it away they did it so it's the reason they weren't in the title race on the final day just because they'd get two or three goal leads and then just go okay well let's stop defending Um, (laughs) that was almost the case Um, or Asapal I I always say I'm not too sure Oh, there we go. Yeah, languages degree. Um, I think uh, he scored a he scored a fantastic free kick for the second. Um, Sociedad will be fine. They'll be challenging for European spots this season. But uh, Barcelona looked very very good. Uh, all in all, of course, they'll be wanting to clean up those defensive mistakes. And I believe, I actually don't know this, but I think Real did one three one. If that four is, one uh, four one four one was it in the end against Hitafi? This is from I think memory. it was Hitafi, yes. Uh, there we go. Eden Hazard played in that game, so that was nice. Eden Hazard started, yeah, yeah. No, Alaves. And, um, Sorry, Alaves. I apologise. Uh, Karim Benzema got two goals in that one. Uh, I'm worried that if anything happens to Benzema, they have nothing out with him, so he'll need to stay fit. And it's a bit worrying being so reliant on a 34-year-old, I think. But... Uh, 
people are sort of were a bit disparaging about La Liga saying it's dead now after Messi's gone. Of course, Ronaldo went a few years ago, but I certainly don't think that's the case. I'm expecting another uh, exciting season in Spain, even though my big shout on extra time on Thursday was that Atletico will win it by at least 10 points. Uh, you don't we'll say 15? That goes. I thought you said 15 points. No, I said 10. Other pe- I think somebody else jumped in with 15. Uh, I can't remember who Cam said Cameron, 30 but, or something uh, like that. Just, just to but, uh, play, play up to you, I think that. <laughs> just in yeah, probably. He does that a bit. He's a bit of an arse, okay. Um, but uh, they're all on plus three just now. Um, but So we need to see if my boys can pull away. Uh, I mean, oh, uh, also, Eric Lamella scored two goals in his debut for Sevilla um, in their 3 0 win over Raya, Raya Biancano. Let's just go with that. Um, yeah, so. Um, Sevilla are all screaming the title race for me this season. I think uh, that's a great squad that Julian Lopetegui has there. And uh, even though they've lost Hill, I think mm. Lamela is obviously a, an older, more experienced option, but still one who I expect to perform pretty well in the league. He suits that sort of uh, gritty, but still f- have a lot of flair about them uh, uh, sort of side that Sevilla have become in the last year or so. So I think the top four is pretty much set in the league this season. And uh, I think it could be close between the four of them. Well, the three of them, and then Atletico walking away, obviously. It'll be interesting to see if Sevilla do end up having to deal with a big departure at the back in Joe Koundé, whether he does leave this window or Hope not. Hope not. Uh, you, you said Sociedad are going to be okay after the, after the game against but I just want to know if Pedri's going to be okay, because the boy hasn't stopped. He's, Give that boy a break. He needs a holiday. Like Just let let him go Let him go away for, for a week and just the, the, chill. The plan is to he'll get a break during the next international break, which... That's what Barcelona's thinking is. <laughs> Have they spoke to Luis Enrique about that? Because I'm so, sure something you want to, to some point soon just say to him. Considering no. that Pedri was the Spain's best player at the Euros, yeah. I don't see why Enrique would go for the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind. I'm obviously Barcelona's his former club, and I'm sure he has plenty of goodwill for for them to be a success in La Liga. But I, I just that boy needs to lie down. He needs to just stick on some <laughs> Xbox and uh, just just have a good time because that he must be shattered. Seventy games or something he's played in the last calendar year. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, moving away from Spain, uh, the Bundesliga returned. Uh, Bayern Munich kicked us off on Friday night away to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Came away with a one-all draw. Uh, Alassane, 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 Alassane player, the Frenchman for Alassane, I think. Alassane, there you go. Uh, Open the scoring after ten minutes, but Robert Lewandowski just does what he does and scored a goal uh, on the stroke of half time to level things, but. Bayern couldn't really get going at that point and didn't really... I mean, was, Sean, you saw bits of this game, so I mean, you'll know kind of better. Yeah, but... I actually watched, I watched most of it uh, because I got bored of Rangers thrashing them firmly. Uh, so sense. I thought, yeah. it's 4-0, four, it's four I'm probably going to turn over now. So I caught uh, quite a fair bit of this game. I missed the Gladbach goal, to be fair. But um, yeah, there was a spell where Bayern looked all right, but the best chances definitely fell to Gladbach. There was a few... Uh, sort of really low-driven crosses across across the face of goal that you thought uh, somebody was surely going to be there to turn home. Marcus Turam had a great game, and yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about um, Bayern this season based off that performance. I thought that Gladbach really took it to them, and a, a point was uh, more than justified for Gladbach. And um, the, Kimmich had that a chance at the end. It felt it broke to him in the centre of the box, and I'd, Kimmich has done that a few times for Bayern. Scored really late goals, and you just get the feeling that 
if Bayern were going to be at their best this season, they would have scored chances like that. A 96th minute winner seems so, so Bayern. Mm. And uh, it didn't come off that time. And then perhaps that's a little sort of omen for how this season might pan out. Uh, Dortmund obviously got off to a good start. Uh, Haaland decided to get some assists, which are very, very rare for him. He's a great goal scorer, but he doesn't tee them up very often. But he was feeling generous uh, on Saturday. So um, an exciting start to the campaign. And I hope that there's a title race in the Bundesliga. Uh, because it just makes it a lot more entertaining when there's teams going head to head and Dortmund don't take a massive lead and then chuck it away by Christmas. Yeah, hopefully not. I mean, big game tomorrow night, Super Cup, a German Super Cup final between Bayern and Dortmund. I think that's getting shown on Sky potentially. Uh, so I believe so. That'll be, that'll be a good watch. Uh, finally, League League One returned. Uh, Joe, it was just a weirdest thing just seeing pre match at Part de France, just that image of Donnarumma, yeah. Hakimi, Wijnaldum, Sergio Ramos, and Leo Messi standing. Shoulder to shoulder, arm over arm, just waving at the part of the France crowd. It just see, seems like a career mode. Second, genuinely, it's a career mode in real life. It's weird. Well, that's the best way to describe it. I think what PSG have done is they've built a dream team, and when you've got players like when you've got a front three of Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar, you know shit's about to go down. To be honest, <laughs> because if if they don't win league uh, to start with. If uh, something's wrong, and if they don't win the Champions League as well, something's wrong. It's, um, I think, Junior Wijnaldum. I'm going to start with him. I think what he's going to do is he's going to just bring that um, creativity in the midfield. Uh, they've already got Verratti who does that or does that perfectly, but Wijnaldum, he's just going to be feeding those balls for Messi and Neymar to latch onto, and Mbappe as well, and uh, Donnarumma between the sticks. Uh, there's not much better, is there? He's a giant. He performed outstandingly for Italy in the Euros. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he did get player of the tournament. He did, did yeah. He? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. he did, yeah. Uh, outstanding for Italy, and I think he'll be outstanding in France. Um, and, yeah, I think other clubs are going to be scared of PSG this year if they weren't already. Taylor, is it genuinely a catastrophe if PSG don't win the Champions League at the end of the season? Yes. It's got to be. They've had... To... They've had arguably one of the best transfer windows ever, like in history, mm. with their business dealings. And the fact that they paraded—I seen a tweet saying this. This is not nice, by the way. The fact that they paraded <laughs> their signings like Messi, Donnarumma, Ramos, and that, like the Avengers, just coming together—that is, that is just basically signaling your intent. Like, yeah, we're gonna run this shit. And if they don't, <laughs> see if they don't. By the way, then they're a failure as a club. Like. You can't make these signings and basically yeah. trade them like that and then basically go, oh, sorry, we tried, we might need more signings. No, 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 no. This is it. <laughs> the Champions League is theirs. And if they don't win it, then holy God, that just proves that money is nothing in football. Which we already know it isn't. So, um, Sounds like know, the Pep Guardiola approach. <laughs> lose one game, we need more signings, give me another 100 million. To be, to be yeah, fair, another billion, <laughs> another billion, another full billion. No, not as if it was the uh, most expensive starting eleven in the history of the game. Again, again, Spurs think five hundred and fifty million that team cost. Embarrassing. Bench cost three hundred eighty-four. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That makes me sick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, PSG could already take uh, extending a bit of an early lead. I mean, four-two win at Strasbourg. Well, Champions Lille fell four-nil at home to Nice, which. I don't think many people saw coming, but exciting times in and across Europe. Of course, Serie A still to come back. 
but we'll be sure to have some 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 little chats about it when it does and the rest of the leagues with a good amount of focus on Scottish football as always on this show thank you very much for listening if you got to the end of this podcast we do appreciate you massively make sure to follow us on the socials at Energy Sport that's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, check out the website and our, our award winning website and we're coming for more awards as soon as they're made available that's energysport.net <laughs> And subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your Spotify, Apple, whatever it is. Uh, thank you to Taylor, Sean and Debutant Joe for joining me today. Pleasure having you boys with me. Uh, Sean is going to be back on uh, Thursday afternoon to uh, preview some European games for the Scottish teams in uh, Europa and European Conference leagues in extra time. So make sure to look out for that and just keep your eye on the feeds and the website for everything we've got coming out. It's been a unbelievable year from the team here at Energy Sport and we're only going to get better and better we can promise you that so we're going to sign off here my name is Zach Donnelly this has been the Football Roundup here at Energy Sport thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time